Set a spark to your integrated business and marketing strategies with America's top entrepreneurs and business leaders here at Integrate and Ignite with your host, Lori Jones. Welcome to Integrate and Ignite, the podcast. Today I've got an incredible duo with me, Jacqueline Claudia and Christy Broker. They're both from Love the Wild. Jacqueline, CEO and co-founder of the business, is a lifelong fish nerd who thought she was going to be a marine biologist when she grew up. Instead, after graduating university, she spent 15 years working in corporate strategy and innovation before finding her way back to fish. She fell in love with the potential for sustainable agriculture while working on the Valela project. She founded Love the Wild to de-demonize great farmed fish, make it easier for people to cook great fish at home, and she is passionately building a company that has a real shot of saving the world. Christy came from a background of tech startups and food and natural products writing. The next natural step for Christy was, of course, fish. With a love for all things water, serious get-things-done chops, and a drive to have a positive impact on the world, Christy was a natural fit as co-founder of Love the Wild. Christy wants to make an impact on the world, looking forward to showing people that frozen fish can be super fresh, sustainable, and most importantly, delicious. Welcome to the show, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. We're very excited to have you with us today. Jacqueline, I know this is quite a vision for you. What point did you decide that you wanted to start your own business? <laughs> I think maybe when I was about five years old. Um, I grew up in, a, in an entrepreneurial family and knew that it was always part of my path, but had a lot of work to do and learning to do before I was really ready to branch out on my own. When the opportunity came up to start a business that would save the world and really um, help boost businesses of people um, in the supply side who I respect so much, it was an opportunity that we just had to tackle. That is That is so neat. Tell me a little bit about the entrepreneurialism that you grew up with, you, you mentioned that your family was um, involved and had that entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not so glamorous, right? Like my, my mom was always doing, um, you know, one business or another, be it selling Avon or Tupperware or something like that to kind of help put a little bit more money on the table. We grew up um, in a very rural area of Western Pennsylvania, and it's pretty poor. And my dad was a coal miner. And when the coal mine shut down, he needed to figure out what he was going to do and didn't want to move from the place that he had lived his entire life. So he started a land surveying business. And so I watched him do that step by step. And, you know, he had me working for him from a very young age, typing up deeds and stuff on the computers. And it was it was him who really instilled in me that, you know, if you're going to do it, don't do it half-assed, do a good job and make sure that it's something that you're proud putting your own name on. Oh, I love And those that. are things that we carry into our business. Uh, that is so neat. There's nothing like uh, carrying that heritage on. I know, Christy, um, you've got quite the entrepreneurial spirit as well. How would you define that? I think... I think for us, in terms of our business, it's really looking at things differently. So it's not doing the same old thing over and over like everyone else is doing. Um, it's really kind of framing the question different and, you know, getting your resources together enough to come up with different answers. Um, so for us, especially in this 
fish industry that we're in, seafood industry, it's been historically run and still is by by men and and mostly, you know, kind of old men in yellow slickers type type guys. And they're fantastic and they've been great and super helpful to us. But we kind of want to come in and start something new and fresh and um, just change it up, do something totally different. So in every decision we make and every um, thing we look at, we, we think, how can we do this differently? Let's not do the same thing as they've done with, you know, frozen fish sticks for the last 50 years, right? Let's do something different. Let's target different audiences. Uh, let's mix it up. So I think for us, it's, it's really keeping it fresh and new. And I think one of the things that Christy, you've done really well is bring the whole idea of experimentation from tech into food. So we've done hundreds of experiments over, you know, the first 18 months of the company, you know, trying different things and seeing what worked and having the discipline to kill things fast that weren't working. Um, and that's, you know, that's a lot of the the great skills that you brought to the table and saying, you know, I know this is what we want to do and this is what big companies do, but what's the scrappy, faster, cheaper, easier way that we could try it and see if this is something that we should be doing in a bigger way. Yeah, scrappy is the keyword key there. <laughs> we, we like scrappy, don't we? Uh, well, and yeah. we won't define that as your philosophy by any stretch of the imagination because you deliver such an incredible, <laughs> incredible product and, and really meet such an incredible need. How do you, Jackie, how do you um, think that the fact that your company is female-owned, how does that impact your brand? I think from a brand perspective, very little, frankly. I mean, to the extent that, you know, women make most of the food purchasing decisions in the household, I think that we understand their persona and some of the challenges that they face in in feeding their families on a first-person basis in a way that, you know, men might not relate to. Um, but it's it's not really a big piece of our brand identity. That's great. Now, Christy, um, you, you talked a little bit about your approach. How would you define leadership? And then, and perhaps more specifically, as a woman, do you feel that your approach to leadership is um, any any different? We, we looked at this question earlier, and it's kind of like different from what? Different from <laughs> men? Different from dogs? Right? So. Um, for us, like Jacqueline said, we don't we don't find the woman led thing a huge differentiator. You know, we're building a brand, we're doing it well, and we want it to succeed. I think that's, you know, congruent across any any gender that's starting a company. Um, but in terms of leadership, you know, there's all these studies about how women are, you know, gentler, more nurturing, or, and so they get things done more collaboratively, and. I do think to some extent that's true. And I don't know if we could say person by person in our organization, if that's, you know, true for her, not true for him, you know, stuff like that. But just as a general philosophy, we, we hold communication and collaboration on a really high pedestal. So um, I wouldn't say that's just a woman characteristic, but I would say it's something that we we hold dear and we, we, we think it runs our team pretty well. Yeah, we, we do. We try, you know, on our different teams that we have, we all obviously, it's a startup. We all wear a bazillion different hats, as, as you've heard everyone say. Um, so we're all scattered. There's rarely one day where we're all in the same room at all, ever. Um, so we we make sure we do, we set meetings, you know, every day, kind of a daily stand-up sort of thing for different departments. We have at least one meeting per week where we all get on the horn and go over what's going on under each person, you know, what's happening in the world of finance, what's happening in the world of operations, what's happening in sales and stuff like that. So we make it a point every day or at least once a week for the whole company to meet and discuss that. Um, we actually, <laughs> we use Google Drive a lot to collaborate. So we just make sure we have all of our documents up there. I, <laughs> I would say we text a lot just because it's easy and it, it keeps us in the loop. But um, 
you know, and, and to the extent that we can all be in the same room and communicate daily, that's obviously the best route that, that we can take. You know, and I don't think that there's like a said rule about, you know, which way is best to communicate within, within businesses at the bottom, at the end of the day, it's all about what works best for you and your team. And I'm all for texting if, if that's what it is. So <laughs> that's, that's fantastic. Um, and it, this is a perfect segue, Christy, into the next question. Um, you've integrated, um, how have you integrated the internal departments? We just, you know, learned a little bit from you and how you communicate and collaborate, but how is it that you get everyone on the same page and, and singing from the same songbook? That's that's honestly been one of our, our toughest um, struggles as we've grown. You know, it used to be just Jacqueline and I, right? So we'd do everything. We saw each other every day. We were on the same page with everything all the time. Um, but now that we have, you know, three more people on our team, uh, we've really had to be conscious about that. And um, one of the things we're trying to do very clearly is you know, separate kind of who owns what at this point, right? Like, so we're not running in circles and duplicating efforts and um, making making confusion where it doesn't need to be. So that's been that's been a current uh, thing that we're that we're doing. I think, really though, like I said, I'll just go back to the communication. If we all need to realize that we're all available, and you know, email, phone call, text, Skype, whatever it is, get in touch with someone if if you have a question or if if we need to figure something out together. That's really been the cornerstone for us, and I think it will continue to be. Well, I think most uh, well-run companies have good communication, so you guys are off to a great start. Yeah, I have I to tell you. I think one of the things. Oh, go I, ahead. I think Jacqueline. one of the things that also really helps is that we all have a very strong sense of shared mission and shared vision. I mean, we know why we started this company. We know what our goals are as a company, and I think that that helps us. What are the things that are going to help us get closer to achieving those goals, um, and and what's not? And that you know. It, Having a shared vision of that across the team, I think, really keeps people on the same page. Well, and it's neat that you're at that stage of, um, you know, building growth within your organization, um, that you can build that thought process and that communication uh, from the bottom up so that it's instilled um, with the individuals that you bring on in the future as well. It's fantastic. I have to tell you both, I love the brand. I love how clean and crisp it is. Um, your website is um, absolutely fabulous. And I can only imagine um, at the end of the day how much your customers uh, much must love the product that you deliver them. Tell me about the integrated marketing approaches um, that you've used to elevate your brand and create awareness. And, and maybe you've got some tales about what has worked and what hasn't as well. Jacqueline, why don't you take this one? Well, I'm not sure my, my answer is going to be, you know, super interesting for folks because we're just at the beginning of our consumer facing journey. I mean, the first 18 months that we've been in business was, you know, a very limited distribution um, where, you know, we tried everything, you know, demos, surveys, you know, different promotion strategies, different price strategies, different, you know, ways to approach things. And now we're at the exciting kind of turning point and inflection for our business where we're, you know, within the next 60 days going to be shipping into almost 400 retail outlets. And so that's where we're really going to have to test you know, how our marketing strategy is going to, you know, scale, you know, can we effectively do the things that we were doing smaller when we do get larger? I think, 
you know, for the most part, like any startup, we can't do everything that we want to do. So we've had to prioritize. And so, um, our marketing is going to be spent primarily on encouraging folks to try the product, primarily on encouraging folks to try the product. And so um, I think, you know, even though we have a website, social media, different channels, you're going to see a disproportionate amount of our voice in the store versus, um, you know, across other places. Right. So what, what would you tell that startup um, that is at the point today that you were 18 months ago? Um, same, let's talk about, you know, maybe similar, uh, category, natural food. Um, what advice would you give them about integrating their marketing? I don't know. I mean, we're, we're, we're still learning, right? I mean, it, it's, it would be almost like the blind leading the blind. I mean, <laughs> there, there's some, there's some of the table stake things there, like, you know, make sure that you're consistent in your messaging, that you're not saying, you know, we love GMOs in one channel and then saying we're anti-GMO in another, like understand what the essence is of your brand and how different channels and different places and, and ways marketing can help amplify the same core messages. I mean, you, you should be the same brand, um, across different media. I, I feel pretty strongly about that. Well, I think the point um, could also be made at, and is that differentiation. So what is it that truly does differentiate you from the marketplace and then you know, develop that brand essence so you do stand um, out above the crowd? Yeah, I, it's such an incredible journey that you guys have been on. It's very, very exciting. And um, I cannot wait to see how this really energizes the market over the years to come. I, I really think you guys have something that is so unique and different. Um, and the brand essence that you've created is truly um, you know, unbelievable. It's clean. It's fresh. Um, it's exciting. It's different. It makes you want to purchase. So you, you have done a fantastic job really um, differentiating yourselves from the marketplace. Now you, you mentioned, um, you know, that it's 18 months and, you know, I was in that boat many, many years ago. Um, and, you know, starting a business is, is not easy. And, and I can certainly, um, recall many obstacles, um, that we've overcome, but Jack, Jacqueline, why don't you tell us about, um, a challenging time or a situation that, maybe could have devastated or even ruined your business, but you persisted, you made it through, you made tough decisions, you triumphed, you are where you are today because of it. And then how might you take that situation and talk about some of the lessons you learned from it? Yeah, so I think, you know, one kind of fairly recent example of, you know, a challenge that we face and some tough decisions that we had to face. Um, you know, one of our SKUs, um, the mahi with the coconut curry, was a consistent fan favorite over the course of the first year. And as we looked at scaling that up into, you know, much broader distribution, we, you know, had to make, you know, larger and larger orders, you know, of fish from folks. And, you know, we had a couple of instances where, you know, we bought fish that met our, our spec, right, had the right traceability, was from the right places, you know, all of those things. And then what landed on our dock was something very different uh, and trying to, you know, decide, you know, well, you know, we're, we're kind of up against a wall with the deadline where we need to ship into customers, but this isn't the product that I want my brands to be on. And these aren't the promises that I move to my customer. So turning around and rejecting, you know, 2,500 pounds of fish, you know, was a hard call. And, you know, we had to make that hard call 
more than once. And, you know, then that allowed us to have some conversations with suppliers where we had, where we had to say, yeah, we have a zero tolerance policy on this. You know, it meets our spec or it doesn't, you know, there's no, there's no fudge room here with us. And so folks within the industry started to take our sustainability um, much more seriously because of that. It was the number one favorite, but if we weren't happy with, you know, how it was coming in and that, you know, the traceability that we were not able to get on that product, you know, making the call to do the right thing and support something different that does meet your brand criteria and will satisfy your customers. Well, I tell you, that says so much about both of you as business leaders. And truly, that is such a wow moment um, for listeners on the podcast. Please remember that. Never sacrifice any type of quality. Um, that you've got. These ladies have done such a fabulous job establishing credibility as it relates to their product in the marketplace. And I just hands down to you guys for, for making that decision. It's, it's just um, fabulous. Now, Jacqueline, as you define success for the business, um, how do you know when you're there? Uh, is there a magic moment that you feel you know that you've made it? <laughs> Well, I think there's a moving target, right? I mean, every week has a different there for us. But, you know, I probably sound like the biggest dork in the world, but I actually keep a little running list on my iPhone of kind of firsts, you know, things that like, you know, just to kind of look back on and, you know, help you keep going when you get into those dark moments. It's like first time you do an interview with the national media publication, first time you hire someone um, and create a job where you're where they're able to support a family because of the work that you're doing. The first time you get, you know, global recognition for your commitment to sustainability. There's, there's lots of moments for us that help us, you know, keep going, but also kind of feel like, yeah, you know, we started this business because, you know, we, we have big goals for environmental and population health. And, you know, some of these little steps along the way help us understand that we're making progress towards that. But, you know, it's a lofty end goal we've set for ourselves and, you know, we'll get there someday. I love that. That, my friends, is the entrepreneurial spirit. Developing a list of firsts. What a great, great idea. That's such a great takeaway for so many of our listeners. Christy, what one strategy or process have you implemented that if business owners and their teams can consistently apply consistently apply every day, would result in big wins for them. You know, I think I think for us, it, since since we are um, a mission driven company, we have a mission, and um, for us, that's providing a delicious, fantastic product with the conscious piece of it, with sustainable fish and and all of that on the other side. So, every everything you know, we do. We make decisions based on that. If if you have a company where you have a mission and and this is why you started it and this is what your brand is, you know, stick to that. There are going to be decisions that come up every day that are like, oh well, this you know this this is a lot cheaper. I could obviously go with that and it would make my life and my margins a lot better. But um, you know, in the end, it comes down to who you are and and the truth. And to get those loyal customers, I think if you're going to compromise on your mission or your ethics, then uh, you're not going to retain those very well. So for us, like I said, every day maintaining that mission and keeping that in mind and every decision that we make is has been super helpful. And I think it'll it'll ultimately lead to success. I mean, if you're truthful and you have um, a mission that you stick to, then you'll be successful. That's so true. Thinking back to um, over the last, I guess, 18 months, 
Do you recall that moment in time when that first big order came in? Yes. <laughs> it wasn't honestly that uh, too too distant in the past. So, yes, we definitely recall that. How did you feel? <laughs> I don't know if I could speak for Jacqueline, but it was, you know, it was it was shocking. It was kind of like, wow, this is great. We knew it was going to happen. We knew people loved our product. We'd gotten great feedback. But, you know, to, to go from word of mouth feedback, this is fantastic, to actually getting a piece of paper that says we have this order in for you, uh, you know, signed by whoever, then that's that's pretty big. So it's just like, okay, we're, we're doing it. We're, we're on our way. We're, we're going and we're getting validated um, by our retail partners. So super exciting, you know, oh. it's what we're shooting for. And yeah. then it turns to pure fear about, you know, everything else that follows that. But the elation is a great feeling. Well, and, and back to the point yeah. that you made earlier about making sure that the product quality is, you know, never subpar, that it's always perfect. Um, that will tie into it and ultimately really help you grow the business. Jacqueline, did you want to add something there? I was just laughing. <laughs> Christy is much better at embracing the excitement. I mean, I thought when we started to get our first big orders that the size of my ulcer would shrink, but it's actually grown substantially because then it's, you know, all of these other challenges just from, you know, getting the product out the door. But I hope people actually buy it, you know, now that we've put it on shelves everywhere. Uh, we know that they will. But, you know, it's those little things that keep you up at night as an entrepreneur when you're essentially betting your life, financial future on um, this company that you're building. Well, I tell you, it's so true. And, and Jacqueline, if there is one thing that you want to be known for, what is it and why? I would be so happy if, you know, 25 years from now, people looked back at Love the Wild as the brand that really changed seafood's relevance in the diet of American consumers. I mean, this is absolutely critical to the success of our country moving forward. I'm not, I'm not being over romantic about, you know, my product. I mean, the, the sad fact of the, of the matter is only one in five people right now eat the USDA recommended amount of seafood. And if people were to eat just the recommended amount of seafood, we would reduce our overall population mortality by 17%. Wow. That's right up there with smoking cessations and the use of seat belts just from making better diet choices. But you put that aside and you look at how the world, um, the demand for animal protein is going to increase over the next 30 years. Um, there simply isn't enough fresh water or land available to grow animal agriculture the way that we have historically. Um, seafood really is the future. But right now, um, it's not really a relevant piece of, of the average American's diet. And so I want to be remembered as the brand that made seafood fun and sexy and convenient again, you know, and in the process really was able to make a substantial mark on population health and environmental health in this country. Well, there you have it, my friends. That is the best ad I think I've ever heard on why you should join the Love the Wild Revolution. Good fish, good sauce. It's that simple. This episode is complete, but the inspiration has just begun. Head over to avocetcommunications.com for show notes and more aha moments. Tune in regularly to ignite your integrated business and marketing strategies with Lori Jones and the Integrate and Ignite podcast.